I believe in Hashem, I trust in Hashem, there never is a moment when that I am alone and I'm on my own. I believe and I trust because I understand that He's holding my and every step is perfectly planned. He's holding me tight, so I'll be all right. I believe and I trust in Hashem. This week, Parshas Vayakel answers a very big question for us. I'm going to ask you a question first. The mitzvahs that we do in the times of Gullus, or the mitzvahs that we do in the times of Mashiach, which mitzvahs, in which, which time can we do the mitzvah more perfectly? In the time of Gullus, when there's a lot of things disturbing us, or in the time of Mashiach, when the Yetzirah is not here, there are nothing disturbing us, we have freedom. When can we do the mitzvahs easier and greater? Yes. In the time of Mashiach. But now I'm going to ask you another part of the question. When, is, when are the mitzvahs more precious to Hashem? In the time of Mashiach? Or the mitzvahs that we do now in the time of Galus? Now. now, right. In the time of Galus. Why? Because it's harder. It takes much more effort. And that is so meaningful to Hashem. And the harder it is, the more precious it is in the eyes of Hashem. That brings us to the next question. Whose mitzvahs do you think Hashem appreciates more? The mitzvahs of a tzaddik or a baltshuva? Yes, a baltshuva. Why? Because for a baltshuva, it's harder. He went away, he was somewhere else, and he came on his own to Hashem. A tzaddik doesn't have all the tests that a baltshuva went through. So his mitzvahs are much more difficult to do. That's why it's even more precious. Now, where do we see this in this week's Parsha? There is a very big question that's asked. This week's Parsha, Vayakil, and next week, Kudai, has something very interesting. It has hundreds of psukim of telling us something that we know already. Yes. In Parshas, in Parshas Truma and Tetzaveh, part of it in Kisisa, we have all the information that we need to know how to build a Mishkan. Everything. What kind of materials we need, what kind of kalim we need, a Mizbeach, a Minaira, a Shul, all the things are all described in detail in Parshas Truma, Tzada, and part of Kisisa. 
Well, then comes a big question. Why does the Torah repeat everything in so much detail in Vayakal and Pakute? It could have just said it in short. What's Vayakal? Vayakal means he gathered. Vayakal Moshe, Moshe gathered the Yidden together, and he said, Hashem. This is what Hashem told me to tell you. In Truma and Tetzava, Hashem spoke to Moshe. And in Vayakel, Moshe is speaking to us. So couldn't have, couldn't have written in the Torah, Moshe gathered the Yidden, and he told them, Kachol Hashem Tziva Hashem Es Moshe. Could have told them everything that, say, just Moshe told the Yidden whatever Hashem told him. Why is it that the Torah does not suffice with that? The Torah wants to go into all the details and say to you, ah, you know what he said, Hashem said to Moshe? About the Mishkan, about the Kalim of the Mishkan, the materials. And it goes through all the details. One minute. If I want to know, I could go turn back a few pages and see it in Turmat Do you know when Hashem gave Moshe the mitzvah of Yamtiv, Hashem told him, Pesach, Shvuas, Sukkis. Guess what it says afterwards? One Pasuk. Moshe gave over to the Yidden about the Yamim Tovim of Hashem. Could have done the same thing here. Vayakil Moshe, he gathered the Yidden and he told them everything Hashem said. Say it in one Pasuk. Then Vayakil Kudim will be so small, right? But the Torah didn't do so. The Torah tells us everything in detail. Not just once. How Moshe told it to the Yidden. How the Yidden brought the stuff. And then it repeats it again when the Yidden built it, made it, made all the things. Why go through all the details again and again? So to answer this question, I'm going to give you a marshal. There was once a little boy who came home from yeshiva. It was his mother's birthday. And he prepared something special as a birthday present. He made a little heart out of clay and then wrote his mother's name on it and his own name and put it into a little box, a little case, wrapped the case nicely with the beautiful wrapping paper and then took a nice, beautiful, colorful ribbon and tied it nicely. Then he brought it to his mother. What did his mother do when she got it? Did she just rip it open and look for the inside? No. What did she do? She took the whole thing. She looks at the ribbon. Wow, such a beautiful, colorful ribbon. And then she looked at the box that has the wrapping paper. Look what's written. Happy birthday, mommy. Little color, colorful hearts. And she opened up the wrapping paper, slowly opened up the box, and took out the present. That means she, 
She wanted to go through all these details slowly and carefully, not to rush. She could have just opened it. The main thing is the present that's inside. But because she loves him so much, and she appreciated so much what he's doing, she didn't want to rush through it. She wanted to go through the details. The same thing, do you know that the Yitten, when they were told by Moshe in Parshas Vayakel about building the Mishkan, the Yitten were not on the level of Tzadikim. This was after they sinned with the Egel. And they did Teshuvah. So now all the Yitten were Balichuvah. Ebal Tshuva's mitzvahs are so precious to Hashem that that's why Hashem said to Moshe in the Torah, don't just write quickly the Yitten did what Hashem said or Hashem told Moshe what Hashem told him to. I want you to write all the details. The ribbon, the wrapping paper. What does that mean? Repeat again and again what the Yitten brought for the Mishkan, how they made it, how they set it up, even though we could know it already from Parshish Truma and Tetzaveh. But because it's the work of a Balchuva, it's the work that came with hard work, because a Balchuva's mitzvahs are harder than for a Tzadik. That's why Hashem wants it to be repeated again and again, because Hashem is so proud I'm so happy. That teaches us a lesson about the mitzvahs that we do now in the time of Galus. When they're hard, it gives us more nachas. And we're not going to have a long time to continue a hard mitzvah. Mashiach is coming. So now, when we are still in Galus for the last seconds, let's do as many mitzvahs as possible. And even if it's hard, then you do it anyway. It's so precious to Hashem. Okay, now comes story time. This story happened in the times of the Alter Rebbe. There was a chassid by the name of Rebaruch, who was known by everyone as a very kind person, very friendly. He always said good things to people, always spoke good things, Never did you hear any Lashon Hara from his mouth. Always benching people, always smiling. The minister who was appointed by the government to be in charge of this city, where Rebarach lived, came to Rebarach's house with a request. He says, Baruch, the government wants me to appoint you as a manager over the government's lumber yard. A lumber yard is where they keep, they make wood, they take trees and turn it into boards, planks of wood, different shapes, different sizes. And we need a manager. And you're a very honest person. We would like to offer you the job. And we'll pay you a hundred rubles a week. Are you interested? And 100 rubles is a lot, a lot of money in those days. Abarach said, thank you so much for the offer. Very kind of you. 
But unfortunately, I cannot take that job. Why not? You don't think you're strong enough? No, Baruch Hashem, I'm healthy, I'm strong. But you said $100 a week. I cannot work a full week. Why not? I am a Jew, and the seventh day of the week is called Shabbos. And just like Hashem worked, created the world in six days, and on the seventh he rested, Hashem tells the Yidden, work six days a week, on the seventh day, it's Shabbos, we rest. So I can't do any work on Shabbos. All right, if you can't do it, you can't. I'll go somewhere else. And the minister turned around to leave, but then he turned around and he said, one second, how about if I pay you double? 200 rubles a week. Why do you want me? Because you're a very honest person and we need someone honest. So I'm ready to give you even 200. No way. But I'm doubling the pay. Double, double, triple pay won't make me work on Saturday, on Shabbos. Because it's Shabbos Kaidish. I will not work even if he gave me all the money of the whole world. Shabbos is holy. I'm going to keep Shabbos. The minister said, well then, would you work six days a week? Six days? We can talk about it. Yes. Because Friday I'm a lot of work. Uh, except for a few hours before Shabbos, that means Friday evening, I will not be able to work. I'll have to go home to get ready for Shabbos. But other than that, I can work, sure. As is Hashem. I have to be home at least two hours before Shabbos. By the way, I just want to tell you, maybe I told it to you already once, my Zaydi, who was called Zaydi Winter, he lived in Pittsburgh, and he used to work in a place that's very far from his house. Very far. And he used to come, Erev Shabbos, back for, to be on time for Shabbos, he used to come sometimes a half hour before Shabbos or so. And one time he got a letter from the Frida Kereba, who writes to him, you should be home two hours before Shabbos. Around two hours before Shabbos, you should be after your job, no work, nothing, getting ready for Shabbos. So that Friday, he left the place where he was earlier in order to be home two hours before Shabbos. And guess what happened? The place where he was coming from had a terrible hurricane. Buildings collapsed. Trees fell down. People got killed. He was safe because he left the place early. If he would have stayed there like every Friday, Chas who knows what would happen. The Rebbe's advice saved his life. In any case, getting back to Rebbe the minister accepted his conditions and gave him the job. Rebbe did his work excellent. He kept record of everything, what's being sold, who's buying it, how much they paid. Now, there was one section in the lumberyard 
which was a storage for the government. In those days, they were building new railroad tracks, tracks for trains. And in order that tracks should stand, you need big, big logs underneath to hold it up on the ground. Then the trains can go on, on the tracks. Who makes these woods? They take from the forest good trees, and they shape it, they cut it to size, and they polish it, and they only have the best, best quality wood, because it has to be hard enough, strong enough, to be able to carry the trains. And in this lumberyard, they had a storage piled up of these logs. And Rebaruch's job was that whenever the workers come to take more logs for the tracks, he'll have to keep a log of all the logs. Then he's asked to keep a list, a report of how many logs went, and who took it, which day, and so on and so forth. The minister was very, very happy when he saw how he's keeping the log, keeping the cheshben correctly. And he got paid. There was only one problem. In this city, there lived a guy by the name Ivan, who was a very wicked person, very cruel. No wonder he had no friends, because no one wanted to deal with someone who was so cruel like him. Didn't get along with anyone. This Ivan used to work in the lumberyard. And he used to be the manager. That means he, was, he used to do the job that Rebaruch is doing right now. But they sent him away. Why did they send Ivan away from the lumberyard? Because he was arguing with everyone, fighting with everyone. Anyone who came in right away got into an argument. He, he loved fights. He loved arguments. If there was no one there, he would try to argue with the cockroaches. He would, he would just, he loved fights. Yidin like peace. Shalom. But he liked fights. And because he liked fights, the government sent him away. And now Rebaruch took over the place. Yvonne heard this, he got so jealous. And you know that the hatred that a person gets from being jealous is the worst kind of hatred. So he decided to make a plot against Rebaruch. What did he do? He went in the middle of the night when the whole city is asleep. He brought his wagon to the lumber yard. He snuck his way in somehow and took 20 logs from the pile, put it onto his wagon, and drove it to Rebaruch's backyard and put them into the barn in a corner and covered it with grass and hay that he found there. The next morning, he went to the minister's office and he says, and you think Rebaruch is honest? You think he's really honest? 
Why do you say so? Why? Come with me and I'll show you how honest he is. He brings him to our barracks backyard, opens up the barn, and says, take a look. The minister walked over, pushed aside a little of the grass and the hay, and he was shocked. Why, these logs look like they're from the lumberyard. They're government property. Right. And Baruch had been stealing this. And probably selling it to people secretly and making a lot of money for himself. The minister got very angry. So disappointed with Baruch. I thought he was an honest man. If it turns out to be true that he's stealing these, he'll get punished. Seriously. But, Yvan, if it turns out not to be true, your life will be worthless. The more the minister thought about it, the angrier he became. <clears throat> a few days later, Baruch got in the mail a letter from the government. And what does it say there? Dear Baruch, <clears throat> you are to appear to the minister's office Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. If you don't show up to this appointment, you'll be severely punished. <clears throat> Baruch was in shock when he saw this letter. He showed it to his wife, who also felt this big surprise and shock, what's going to be? To go or not to go, both of them are, are terrible because many of their friends and relatives who got such a letter in the past and went to the, such a meeting were either sent to jail for many years and some of them have mysteriously never returned home. So to go is not safe. Not to go means a punishment. Rebirth, what are you doing? His wife asked him. You're putting on your coat? Where are you going? I'm going to the Alter Rebbe. I'm going to ask him advice. What to do. He came to the Alter Rebbe. Came into the Rebbe's room. And he showed the Rebbe the letter. Because he asked to know what to do. It was Sunday. And Tuesday is in two days from now. Should he go 8 o'clock in the morning or not? He has two days to decide. So what is he going to do? He was thinking that Rebbe is the only one who can answer me what I should do. Once the Rebbe read the letter, the Rebbe gave him a big smile and said, Baruch, please come back to me next week Sunday, and I'll tell you exactly what to do. Baruch left, and he went home. When he got home, his wife says, 
so quick? And why that puzzled look on your face? Baruch said, I just don't understand. I cannot understand this. What do you mean? The Rebbe didn't tell me if I should go Tuesday or not. The Rebbe said I should come next week on Sunday and they'll tell me what to do. How can I come next week if I'm, I'm supposed to come in two days from now to the, to the minister? Baruch, did the Rebbe tell you to go to the minister? No. That one thing for sure, you're not going. This is sure. If the Rebbe didn't say go, you don't go. What did the Rebbe say? Come back next week. That's exactly what you're going to do. Abarak said, yes. I'm going to listen to the Rebbe. You see, Hashem tests us from time to time to see how strong is our emuna, how strong is our betachen. And sometimes when a yid does not know what to do, for that Hashem sends us a tzaddik. A tzaddik, because of his learning Torah, and because of his doing mitzvah so well, he gets special insight, a special kayach, to see more than what we see. They see the truth. Through the eyes of a tzaddik, everything look, looks much different. They see the truth. So Rebarach said, okay, we'll wait a whole week. And this class also will wait a week to hear the next part of the story. I believe in Hashem, my trust in Hashem, Because I understand that he's holding my hand And every step is perfectly He's holding me tight, so I'll be alright I believe and I trust in Hashem The Baal Shem Tov teaches us that from everything that we see or hear in this world, since it is Pratis, Hashem is the one who makes it happen, so we should learn a lesson how to serve Hashem better. You know, there is a saying in New York, see something, say something. The Balshantiv says, see something, learn something. We just learned five parshiyos. Truma, Tetzave, Kisisa, Vayakel, and Pekude this week. All about the building of the Mishkan. We know that the most important part of the Mishkan and later the Beis Mikdash is Karbanis. To bring Karbanis to Hashem. Also to come and make Aliyah Regel, to come... Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. But in these days that we don't have a physical Beis HaMikdash, 
Yes, we have a mikdash ma'at. We make our own room into a little miniature base of mikdash, like we spoke about already. But how can I bring a carbon today? So our chachamim say, tfilais bimkoim karbanais tiknum. That the tfilais that we daven is replaces the karbanis. It's instead of karbanis. In fact, it's like a carbon. Because what does the word carbon mean? From the word karayv, close. A, a carbon bring a, brings the behemoth close up to Hashem because it gets burnt, it goes up to Shemayim. And our davening brings us closer to Hashem. That's why, just like the animal they bring on a mizbeach must be perfect, without any blemish, the same thing, our tefillahs should also be complete. What do I mean complete? Complete by saying the words correctly. Not mumbling the words or skipping the words, but saying it correctly. Do you know what our Chachamim say? What if a person can't daven the whole davening properly? So Chachamim say, Toiv ma'at bekavana, ma'at beshloi bekavana. Better say less, but say it properly, than saying the whole thing with, you know, not properly, because then you have nothing. When you speak to your friend, do you say to him, blah, 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 or what do you do? You make sure he hears your words. When we speak to Hashem, you're not speaking just to a person, you're speaking to the king of all kings. And that's special. I'll give you a mashal. There was once a king who announced to his entire kingdom that on a certain day and a certain hour, everyone is invited to come to the palace and to make a request from the king for anything that he wishes. And the king will grant the wish. This is so unusual. Some, sometimes you have to wait weeks, months, or years to get to the king. And here the king is giving this permission to everyone. When it came that day, and it came that hour, you can imagine it was a long line waiting to get to the king. And everybody had something in mind, what they're going to ask the king for. One person needed a new horse, because his horse was weak. Another person needed a new wagon. Another one needed clothing for the children. Another one needed money to pay rent. Like, everyone had their needs, and they're going to ask the king and get it. Wow, what a special opportunity. But there was one chacham, a smart person online, and he's thinking to himself, what am I going to ask the king for right now? I have a few needs, but if the king is going to give me what I need now, it will only take care of now. What's about what I'm going to need in a week from now, in a month from now, or a year from now? It's not going to take care of that. But the king said, this is an opportunity. Let me try to think. What's the best thing to ask the king for that will last for always? 
and he came up with an idea. When it came his turn, he's standing in front of the king, and the king gives him a big smile and says, Yes, my dear citizen, what is your wish? And I will grant it. He says to the king, My wish is that the king should give me permission to come and visit him every single day. You got it. That was smart. If he asks for one thing, that's it. He's not getting anything else. Now he's asking to see the king every single day. So whatever he needs tomorrow or the next day, he's going to see the king. Can ask him for it. We are given an invitation by the king of all kings to ask him for whatever we want, not just once a day, three times a day, shachris, mincha, mayrev. And not only then, the Ebishter doesn't limit us. Whenever you want, even if it's not time of shachris, you take it to Hillim and you say a capital to Hillim to Hashem and ask him for whatever you want. Your words are brought up directly to Hashem, and Hashem answers your tefillahs. Teshemea tefillahs kol Hashem listens to everyone's tefillah and answers him. Answers him in the way Hashem wants to answer. Sometimes we don't get it right away, because Hashem knows it's better for you to get it later. But Hashem accepts everyone's tefillah. That's why when we daven, we should make sure to say the words carefully, not to mumble. There's no point of just turning pages. I remember when I was a little kid, I didn't appreciate davening. So I just used to turn the page. I used to look at the clock. Oh, another minute passed. I can turn the next page. That's a joke. Who am I fooling? That's why when we daven and we say to him, like we said Shabbos Mubarakim to him, I want to come back to school and say, I did 150 kapitlach. Did you really say it? Or you just mumbled? Better say 10 kapitlach, word for word, than 150 mumbled. You know why? Because if you mumble, you have nothing. If you have 10 kapitlach, you have 10 kapitlach tilim, which are great. And the same thing with davening, same thing with the bracha. When we speak to Hashem and we say, Baruch Hashem, we're facing Hashem and saying to Him, you are blessed. And we get permission to eat that food. We have to do it carefully. And that's a lesson that we can learn from this, these five parshiyas that talk about the Mizbeach and the Menaira and the Shulchan. And we ask ourselves, what lesson do I take from here? Is that we should also bring Karbanos. That is davening. And when we daven, that's like a carbon to Hashem. Especially if it's hard for you. If it's hard for you, it means you're bringing a bigger carbon, a fatter carbon for Hashem. Now we're up to the second part of the story I began last week, which has a wonderful, wonderful lesson for us. 
You know, I usually do not speak about what's going on in the world. But I want to tell you something. The Rebbe told us that we are living in the best time of history. In the best. The highest time of history. Because we are entering Geula. We are the generation who's the last generation of Galos, the first generation of Geula. We're living in such a special time. Now our eyes and our ears may hear there are certain things going on in the world. In this country or that country, and this one is arguing, this one is fighting, and this and this. And you think, uh-oh, that doesn't look like Geula to me. And it surely is not. That's not the goal we're waiting for. So what does it mean when the Rebbe says, the time of Gola has come? How can this bring to Gaula? But we have to realize, if the Rebbe said so, everything that's seen through the eyes of a tzaddik is different than what we see. Things that we see look the way it looks. The way it's seen through the eyes of a tzaddik, they see the truth and they see it totally different. And this is what we're going to learn from this part two of the story. As we know, Reb Baruch was appointed by the minister to be the supervisor in the government's lumberyard in the city. And like I told you last week, Yuvan went ahead and took 20 precious logs and placed them in Rebaruch's backyard in his garage and wanted to convince the minister that Rebaruch was stealing. Then Rebaruch got a letter that he has to appear before the minister Tuesday morning, 8 o'clock. And he was so sure that he has to go because it said, if you don't come, you're getting punished. But instead of going, he went to the Alter Rebbe. This was two days before he had to go. And the Alter Rebbe did not tell him to go. He said to him, come back to me next week Sunday and I'll tell you exactly what to do. I'm sure that the Yitzhahara was telling him Tuesday morning, why aren't you going? And the Yitzhahara was saying, because the Alter Rebbe didn't tell you to go. He said, come back next week. And the Yitzhahara was saying, yeah, but aren't you worried? You can get punished. You didn't even know why you're being called. Rebarch didn't know that this was all a plot from Yovani, didn't know anything about it. But he did know that whoever comes to the minister for such a meeting never goes back home. But, Rabbi Baruch knew, if the Rebbe didn't tell me to go, the Rebbe sees the truth. Anything that's being seen through the eyes of a tzaddik is totally different than what we see. We see it looks like we have to go. Sadik tells us, come back next week. So he decided he's going to come back next week 
to the Alter Rebbe and see what to do. Sunday came and he went to the Alter Rebbe. He knows that he's off. He, he was supposed to be there last Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Now he's coming to the Alter Rebbe. When he came to the Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe greeted him with a big smile and said to him, Baruch, I want to tell you something. Now is the time to go to the minister. Now you may go. Because of your good deeds and your mitzvahs, and because of your strong trust in Hashem, Hashem is going to grant you success. That when you're going to go to the minister, you're going to find favor in his eyes. Everything will be just fine. So this Tuesday, you're going to go to the minister. Baruch left, overjoyed. I got a bracha from the Rebbe. Even though I don't know what I'm going to tell the minister, if he asks me, why am I, why am I a whole week late? I don't know what to say. But the Rebbe said everything is going to be all right. He came back home and told his family the good news. The Rebbe said everything is going to be okay. Sunday came. It's a, that was on Sunday. Tuesday came and he went to visit the minister. He was thinking to himself, this is so mysterious to me. Why did the minister call me last week? Why the Altarebbe didn't want me to go last week? Who wants me to go today? What's this all about? When he came to the front of the minister's office, one of the guards who saw him jumped up and said, Rabbi, boy, are you lucky that you came today. And the minister is going to be so happy to see you. Baruch got even more puzzled now. He comes into the office of the minister. The minister jumps out of his comfortable seat with a big smile and shook Baruch's hand. Baruch, I'm so happy that you came. I'm so happy to see you alive. Huh? Yeah, sit down and I'll explain you what's going on. Baruch sat down, completely puzzled and confused. Rabbi, I want to tell you what happened. Yvonne claimed that you are stealing precious logs from the lumberyard and taking them for yourself. He tried convincing me that. In fact, he even brought me to your backyard and showed me the, in your garage 20 logs. When I saw that, I got so angry at you. I was so anger, angry that I decided not to decide myself your punishment. I knew you must get maximum punishment. So I sent a message to the Federal 
crimes department. They should decide what kind of punishment you deserve. And you know what they decided? They decided that Tuesday morning, a few minutes before 8 o'clock, an officer should stand at my door with a gun. And you should be invited to come 8 o'clock. And when the officer sees you, without any questions asked, he should use the gun. Finished. That was the punishment they decided. But guess what happened? You didn't show up. For some mysterious reason, you did not show up last week, Tuesday, 8 o'clock. A day later, you know what happened? Two witnesses came to me and told me that they saw with their own eyes how Yvan took the 20 logs and put it into your garage. They saw him breaking into your garage, putting it in there just to get you in trouble. Now, let me tell you, Baruch, you don't have to worry about Yvan anymore. He got the punishment that he deserves. And so far as you are concerned, you can go back to work as usual. You go back, and I'm even going to pay you extra, because you are this special, honest, and good man, as I've always known you. Rebarach came home and told the family the good news, and told the family, look what kind of miracle, because I listened not to my Yetzirah. Last week, Yetzirah was saying to me, but how could you not go? You must go, the minister said. But the Yetzirah was saying, the tzaddik did not tell you to go. Imagine if I listened to what my eyes were telling me, what my mind was telling me. Where would I be today? Because the, uh, through the eyes of a tzaddik, Everything is seen totally different. The tzaddik sees the truth. And as I said before, this is a lesson for us. Through the eyes of the Rebbe, the Rebbe sees Mashiach is almost about to arrive. Geula is almost about to come. And he's telling us, guys, get ready. And when we know something so special is coming... We don't get worried about what we see around the world. It doesn't scare us. That's only Yetzirah. Right. To get scared about things that are happening in the world, that's totally Yetzirah. It's trying to distract us. Let's do more mitzvahs, learn more Taira, do more Avas Yisrael, and strengthen your Bitachin and Amuna, and we will see Mashiach right away. Amen. Aguten Tag.